0: our YouTube page. So if you'd like to read through the Bible in one year, actually listen to the Bible. And if you click on the closed caption, it will print those words underneath so that you can read and listen to the Bible. So that's the goal of this year and Lord willing at the end of the year, I'll have read through and recorded the entire Bible and you will have followed along. The theme of this year, if you have your bulletin, you'll look on the top left corner of the front page and you'll see two hands reaching across a heart. And the theme for this year is the heart. And so we're going to look at not every single week, but that will be the overarching theme of this year is the heart. And so, in order to help us grasp the type of heart that God desires us to have, and he wants us to have a heart like his, we're going to start our lesson this year, the first lesson that I'm giving, on the heart of God. If we reach back into the Old Testament, about 3,000 years, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, Saul has disappointed God and gone his own way, and God tells Samuel, that he is going to anoint another king. And in First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, it says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Of course, Samuel is speaking to King Saul at this point. And that is the lesson that Paul gives in Acts chapter 13, where he says, And afterward they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. A man after God's own heart. And of course, God is spirit. And as such, God does not have the physical heart that we have. When we talk about our heart, we're really not talking about that cardiovascular part of this, but we're talking about that gift that God has given us, that prefrontal cortex but that's a lot of medicine and science that's really what we're talking about is the mind and in our passage today if we had noted and given you the heads up you would look at the number of times that the word mind or like-minded was used in Philippians chapter 2 and so we're looking at having the same mind as Christ which is really the heart of God it was said that of David, King David, in First Kings chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, it says, Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him by establishing Jerusalem, because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And many people are troubled in their own hearts, which means they're troubled in their own mind, as to how it is that David could have committed so many sins, sins of adultery and of lying and uh, cheating, murder. And yet God said, he was a man after my own heart. But David desired to do all the commandments of God. That was his desire. But he is just like you and I a man of flesh, and a man subject to his own pitfalls. But we come to Philippians chapter 2. And as we think of terms, I'm glad that Kenny read from the book of Ephesians, because Ephesians talks about the power of Christ, and he talks about the church. And in Philippians, Paul talks about our following after Christ, and Christ as our examples. And in Philippians chapter 2 is one of those Those milestones of scripture, which really opens up our minds to the idea of what Christ was like. In chapter 2 and verse 5, the command is, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, fair enough. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Well, what was the mind that was in Christ Jesus? And if we examine that, then we will be able to come closer. And, and we are not going to, by a long shot, cover what exactly is all in the heart of God. But as it is that sometimes we give the definition of a word and we say, okay, I've, I've got the word, I've got, I've got the definition. You've used it in a sentence We need to see the example. That's what really cements it in our own mind, is being able to see it in action. Well, what was this mind of Christ that we are to have within ourselves? Well, we back up into Philippians chapter 2, and beginning in verse 2, we see that it says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. And he's talking about, that congregation in Philippi. He says, I want you all to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And that is so easy. Wouldn't you agree? That all of us think the same. No matter what game we watch, we all know which team we want to win, right? What? Are you kidding me? If I ask someone who is married, and let's see, I'll pick on a newlywed, Jordan. Jordan, who is the most beautiful woman in the world? <laughs> There's only one answer you can give, right? <laughs> see, <laughs> it is his wife. You think, well, okay, that's, that's good. Now, if I ask Tim, Tim, who is the most beautiful woman in the world? Yeah, it's Allie. Well, wait a minute. You guys don't agree. And virtually every man that I'm going to ask that is going to give a different answer. That doesn't mean that we're not like minded, that we don't think the same. But there are things of which we can be like minded. And the way that we become like minded is to become like Christ and see the things the way that Christ saw them. And by his example, We look at what is being talked about here in Philippians chapter 2, and we think, ah, we will have those aha moments to where suddenly the light goes on, we understand perfectly the life we are to live. Maybe not quite that easy, but it brings us a long ways down the path of being able to grasp what he's talking about, of being like-minded. You and I can be like-minded in this. For we continue down to verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Oh, yes, another easy command here. Why, I'm going to think of you better than myself. I'm not going to consider anything that I like because I'm going to go with what you like, because you are before me. Oh, boy. Remember those parts where I asked you, husbands, about who the most beautiful woman in the world is? You always agree on everything, don't you? Let the record show there weren't many heads bobbing up and down here in this. Because <laughs> even though we love one another, we, we have those clashes. But the beauty comes in when we consider others greater than ourselves. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. I've got to have it my way Me, 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 my way and everything. Have you known people like that? Are you someone like that? I can say that I am like that. I am so selfish. But I work on it constantly. Because I realize that when I look at this verse, that I am not supposed to let things be done through selfish ambition and conceit. Oh, where's my example in all of this? Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to come back to verse 3 when we get to the end of our lesson today. And again, in verse 4, he says, "Look, Let each of you look, not, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That it's not all about me, but I'm looking out for your interests. I'm looking out for the things that you like, the things that you need, and trying not always to see it through my eyes and say, well, if they could only think like me, they'd be a lot better off. But that's not the object of it. Look not only to your own interests. Look to the interests of others. Be interested in other people really examine to see what is going on in their lives. And that's difficult. It is very difficult for us. But where is the example for all of this? Well, we see that beginning in verse 6, there are at least three aspects of the characteristics of Jesus' heart. We're going to see that there is the the idea of sacrifice and service. Well let's begin with sacrifice. In verse six, he begins by saying, "He did not desire who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God." That's a hard one theologically for us to grasp. But John tells us in John chapter 1 in the Gospel of John, he tells us, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Told about what Jesus became, what he left behind and became when he came to dwell among us. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, stop for a moment and think about what it meant to be for him rich. Go back to the psalmist who says, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns everything. He was rich. Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. There's two words that talk about being poor in the New Testament and the Greek. And, and one is to, uh, to be impoverished. And the other one speaks of being in abject poverty. And it is that abject poverty of being completely emptied of all possessions. That's what he's talking about. That's how poor he became. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. That sacrifice that he was willing to make for you and I. And then in verse 7, it talks about the service that he gave. In verse 7, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And that, that term for bondservant means slave. He became a slave of all he gave up and then to come to be a slave. It's hard for us to grasp in our modern culture the idea of what it means to be a slave. When we think of someone who is a, in the service industry, a, a servant, uh, someone that might come to our table if at a restaurant or in some other area of service, and we see that, but it really doesn 't capture we really don 't grasp the idea of what it means to be a bond servant or a slave, as it was talked about in that day and age in Hebrews chapter ten beginning in verse 5, it says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. He became a slave to God's will. And in fact, when Jesus went into the garden to pray, we find that it was to do the Lord's will. But in Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28, it says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you, let him become your servant. We're here to serve one another. The Greek diakonos. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's so his reason for coming, is to become a servant. He didn't come for the world to bring him gifts and treasures. Well, that'll come much later. But he came to serve you and I by giving his life for us. To become, and in fact, that word that is used here for diakonos means to minister, to become a servant as such. The word before talked about becoming a bondservant, a slave. But this word that's used in Matthew chapter 20 means to minister. It's a word that we use typically for minister, to become a servant. In Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, and we recognize Jesus as our high priest, although we really don't grasp a lot of that because we weren't raised in Judaism for that. But he also says, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. And there's another word that is used for servant, and pardon me for slaughtering this in the Greek, liturgos. Yet another aspect of that idea of serving us, to be a slave, to be a minister, and to serve you and I. And that third word for, that we use, we're using a little alliteration here, the sacrifice, the service, and then we find his submission. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, willing to submit his life, his body, to sacrifice on the cross to pay the price of sin that existed. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Through what he suffered for you and I, willing to submit to that. I mentioned about Jesus in in the garden as he prayed. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, he says, Going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Willing to submit to the Father's will, knowing. And he had told his disciples all along of what awaited him in Jerusalem. He was willing to submit to that, knowing What awaited him? This idea of sacrifice, service, and submission. So we look at those things of the heart of Jesus, of the things that are talked about here in Philippians chapter 2, and we begin to grasp what it is that our mind needs to be like. have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus that mindset that we must have Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 beginning in verse 4 through verse 5 and he talks about the what we need to have in control of our minds. For the weapons of our warf- warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And here it is. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul would write to the church of Corinth and says, We are not unaware of the schemes of the devil. Well, how do we know what the schemes of the devil are? Well, we read God's word, and we see those tactics that he uses against us. And knowing these, we take our minds captive. We control. One of the things that we have studied in our class on Sunday night is the idea of self-control. Being able to, and that's what's carried here in the meaning, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we have the mindset having control over our own minds. And then we take on those virtues of Christ. For in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus writes those epic words, speaks them. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Some of your verses may say meek. I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. In that term that talks about being gentle or meek, that's the same attitude that Paul writes to Timothy and Peter writes when we give our idea of hope. When someone asks for what our hope is, we tell them what our hope is. We don't beat them over the head with it. He says, but do it with gentleness gentle. Jesus says, For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So this mindset that we have of meekness, but also that of ministering to others. We come back to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. We find the heart of Christ in this passage, when Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, you'd be surprised how many times that word for mind or knowledge is used in Paul's letter to the Philippians. So the mind and heart are really talking of the same thing. Have this mind among you. So in this year, our goal, to seek to put our hearts in tune With the heart of God, which He showed us in His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, we look at the word and we have an idea of what the definition is. We might use it in that sentence. But again, when we see it in action, and that's exactly what Paul shows us here in Philippians chapter 2, we have such a clear idea, or a clearer idea. And the struggle is, can I make my heart the same as that heart of that mind that Paul says this is what you ought to be like? That struggle that takes place within us. But we back up when it tells us do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility In humility. Humbleness. Those virtues of Christ that he showed us in the life that he lived. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do we find out what this Christ was and how he lived on the earth? The only description we have is found in the word of God. And thereby... We find the life we need to live for Him. In those commands that were given to us, that God's desire is that everyone here, everyone outside these walls, from the beginning of time to the end of time, God desires for them to dwell with Him in eternity. And to that end, we extend the invitation so that none will be left behind. So that all will have that opportunity to say, I heard the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to this world, gave up everything that he had, all of the riches of heaven. He said, I'm willing to give that up so that I may save those who dwell on earth. What is man that God is mindful of us, as the psalmist says? He's mindful of us because he wants us to spend eternity. And through faith that Christ came down, lived and died, but more than died, was buried and resurrected to overcome death for us, that one day we will overcome death in the resurrection and spend eternity with God. Believing that is the first step, confessing that Jesus is Lord and King of our lives, the Christ, the Messiah. Confessing our sins, repenting from those, and being buried in the watery grave of baptism to rise again to newness of life, to walk in that newness of life. And then walking with the heart of God, being like Christ in our lives. We extend the invitation to any here who needs to make that response to the gospel message or for any need you may have as brothers and sisters in Christ, to look out for one another and to pray with one another. Whatever your need is, we extend that invitation as together we stand and sing.